Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week we're doing yet an, yet again another 101 because a gr- I, I, I think, I don't want to talk for you, I don't know how you feel about it, but a great preview for Black Panther came out this month and... Uh, one of the, I mean, obviously one of the featured bad guys, featured villains in it is Claw, um, Ulysses Claw. So, uh, played by Andy Serkis, we've already seen him in Age of Ultron. Uh, I think we needed to talk, we needed to explain to people who Ulyss- Ulysses Claw is in the, in the Marvel Comics universe. Chris, what do you think? Yes, he has been a long mainstay character. We have a great actor playing him. Uh, he even played a huge vital part going back to Age of Ultron. So I love that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is setting this up. And unfortunately, I have not seen that Black Panther trailer. <laughs> I know, right? Purposely or just... <laughs> uh, just uh, this thing. Well, it came out when, you're, when your phone was messed up. Yeah. And you just didn't have to say, like, fair, I, fair enough. I, I feel like it's funny. I understand Captain America better now. Like after being frozen in the ice, <laughs> like in this modern world, not having your phone for like a week and a half... Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Did you find that you had more like free time to do things? Or? I cured a lot of things. I redesigned some <laughs> systems at work, and like things are great. I uh, uh, perpetual motion machines are out there for oh, me wow. now. But you know, now the phone is finally. I have a different phone, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can get back to my social media. <laughs> you know, I I want to see you. You know, like obviously in the in the Marvel Comics universe, um, uh, Peter Parker through Parker Industries developed a new phone or developed cell phones or whatever you want oh, to say. Oh yeah, his uh, webware. Webware, webware yeah. technology, yes. Uh, I would I would want to see if Reed Richards would like develop new phone technology because I mean, obviously that's kind of beneath him for right. what he does, but he he still made unstable molecules and and Sue turned it into, you know, using that for uh firefighters and and you know, uh first responders and stuff. So I can imagine there's some kind of tech that's in his laboratory that could be used for cell phones or personal computers. Well, I imagine, like, I've always thought about this because, like, every team, like the guy in the chair, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the Justice League, it's typically Martian Manhunter. And he now it's use, more Cyborg, though. Well, now, yes, but but back in the day, it was Martian Manhunter, and he would use his telepathy to patch everybody in. Mm-hmm. And then now with it being Cyborg, he uses the technology to get everybody in communication somehow. And I'm like, how did Reed do it? I mean, back in the day, because, I mean, you had Ben, Johnny, and Sue. None of them are telepathic. And so, you know, when they're out there in battle, I mean, he, you, you would see them yelling stuff out. But I imagine at some point, like, yeah, did he have, like, little bits of tech for them? Like, yeah, here, probably... Ben, here's this little, like, it looks like just a sticker. You'll put it on one of your scales <laughs> and you can hear us or something, you know? So you it's know, like, it's it, there. It's just. It's probably just based <laughs> off of radio technology, you know, because that's what it was back in the day. And I could see them doing, like, a. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation thing where instead of instead of tapping on the the Star Trek emblem they they use their, their four force yeah, right. actually I think you're right I think that I do remember that from the cartoon oh really yeah I think you're right which yeah. would be kind of difficult for for Ben at some points because sometimes he has a costume that doesn't have the Fantastic yeah, Four symbol on sometimes it sometimes like that's when you would conveniently like that episode you'd see the little four on his belt and you're like oh <laughs> oh what's it there now this time. <laughs> <laughs> that time hey Ben don't leave without your four. Oh my god <laughs> my cell four uh, <laughs> no uh yeah uh I mean I remember, I know I didn't read a lot of Fantastic Four issues, but I remember that there was one issue that I read where Johnny 
ended up being the front man, I guess, or the spokesman for um, the company that the Fantastic Four would, would have owned that oh, man. kind of put out their products. Yeah, when Reed would put the patents to work to get him some money. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and I remember he had... <laughs> He, I think he was the one that came up with the the whole um, using the unstable molecules uh, clothing line, like as a fashion line, and then also uh, making the first responder clothes and stuff like that. But I can't, I don't, I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm not too versed in the Fantastic Four universe, and doesn't seem like anybody is anymore. No, it's been gone for a while. So that's why, like, hold on to that idea because after the the whole Marvel two in one comic comes to its big story arc and we get the fanny four back and obviously they're going to be broke this is a great idea you're sitting on because <laughs> if this is like because i'm trying to scale my brain i'm like i remember a little bit of this but i don't know if i remember all of that i'm like sometimes you got a good imagination that's why we do what we do and so it's like shh you might be throwing some gems out there i mean tim t- tom beverut i know he's listening to us all the time <laughs> well you know that then that'd be funny which would be also be kind of a terrible story but like a funny story would be like you get so you get amadeus cho you get uh tony stark reed richards and peter parker and they all basically take over cell phone technology and they run <laughs> Verizon or not Verizon, but LG Samsung and everybody iPhone <laughs> out of business, you know, cause they they're making the better product. Right. That'd be weird. I don't know. It's a stupid like side story, but I was like, well, this is, you got to start off with like Dr. Doom takes over. Cause he's like, <laughs> uh, instead of super villainy, I'll just be a cell phone provider. Cause that's just <laughs> as bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, you, you gotta wonder why more, uh, of our villains or our heroes don't have corporations to back them. I mean, I think it's more of a common thing common thing now, but maybe they just it's not it's not something the writers thought about back in the day. No, it it definitely wasn't. Like I am glad our writers got smarter because I remember reading um I want to say I think it was the first time Superman and Spider-Man teamed up. So, you know, this big old nice comic book, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is so cool." And the villains were Lex Luthor and Doc Ock. Okay, well, Doc Ock, you know, evil genius and always doing his stupid schemes. Luthor. Luthor builds a giant robot to rob a bank. And <laughs> to I'm like, rob Your a bank. robot's probably worth more than that bank. And I am so glad because, of that, you know, as I, as I caught up to comics or as the comics were happening around me at the time, it was like, Thank God Luther became a businessman because it's like, you know, let me spend half a mil to rob a bank, which probably only has, you know, a couple hundred K, you know, it's like, no, you're, you're, you're losing out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Just Luther build the robot sell to the government and you're good. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's what he ended up doing. He's the evil Tony Stark, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, robbing a bank, Luther robbing a bank just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, but it also brings into mind, like, you remember there's the panel uh, from a Spider-Man comic. I don't remember which which comic, but I, I happened to see it again online today. Uh-huh. And it's the one where he's talking to um, Sauron, the, the pterodactyl. The pterodactyl X-Men villain. Yeah. And he's like, you know how to manipulate, you know, genes and stuff like that to the point where he can turn people into dinosaurs. You could use this power to. You could use this to to cure cancer. He's like, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. <laughs> so I mean, you think about that, like like Cap, I, or Captain Cold. You know, he could use this the 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 fact that he knows how to build these 
ice guns, the zero cold, or was it absolute zero guns? Yeah, the absolute zero gun. Yeah. You know, he could use that. They could use that technology for something else, but he just keeps making the gun over so he can rob banks. Yeah, yeah. It's like you could work for Swanson's and totally do them a world of favor with their freezing trucks. <laughs> you could, you could probably go and repair, you know, melting ice caps and stuff like that. <laughs> right. But no, you want to, you want to rob banks. I get it. So that's what you, maybe that's what happens with the villains. They don't. They, they're like, well, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do these other things. When you're insane, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, so, yeah. Um, th- we're going to be talking about <laughs> Ulysses Claw, <laughs> who kind of, you know, uh, um, comes we'll in comes in with the technology because he's got the that, uh, claw hand. So- yeah, sonar hand. Sonic or, hand. Sonic yeah. hand. Yeah, that's what it is. And, I mean, what else could that be used for? But. Yeah. Well, and I even like the fact that even when you stem to his origin, it begins with greed. He was driven by greed, and his greed and technology mixed together to eventually lead to him being the supervillain Claw, mm-hmm. which we'll talk more about. We'll definitely later. talk more about. <laughs> uh, but first, let's go ahead and see what is on the new spinner today. All right, so today DC Comics is hammering it in big time. Uh, prepare to write a check, prepare to go into some <laughs> debt, because we have Action Comics issue 990. All right, let me blow your mind here. They come out twice a month. Right. We're so damn close to 1,000. So what would that 1,000 would put us in what, Well, for March? two per month, where this is the end of October, right? So two in November. So 91, 92. Two in December. 93, 94. Two in January. 95, 96. And then two in February. 97, 98. March. 99 1000 1, so the end of march yeah. damn so, it i'm born i'm my, my birthday's early april i was hoping that would have been pretty damn cool well it's a, it's an early gift just a couple yeah, about a week early that's a good save i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so come march we're going to finally see a four digit comic book the real well the close to real thing. I was gonna say the new fifty two monkeyed well, up the waters. Didn't uh like didn't they do like a Deadpool like six thousand or something like that? Deadpool, yeah, I think Deadpool technically did put out a Deadpool one thousand and they tried to cheese it off as like, well, it's his one thousandth appearance. And yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, well Superman <laughs> would have done that like a shit ton long time ago. Yeah, because I mean, technically, a lot of people forget this, but even back in his first appearances, he was head or not headlining, but he was running in three books. Superman, Action Comics, and World's Finest. Oh. You know, it's like, yeah, that guy the guy was all over the place. <laughs> well, he's, you know, he's faster than a speeding bullet, so. <laughs> yep. That makes more sense than a Wolverine running around. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is also true. <laughs> all right, so anyways, so Action Comics 990, which continues on the saga of uh, Mr. Oz. Today was a big issue because Superman finally said it. He's been saying what we're all thinking. I don't think you're my dad. Like, he straight up told Oz to that. But Johnny... Says, no, Dad, let's listen to Grandpa. So, uh, oh, this is going to be crazy, crazy stuff. So uh, it's continuing on the story, which is one of the big ones to be reading out there. Let's see. Okay, if you, I'm going to be honest with you. Metal, I thought was going to suck. I just did not feel it. I didn't care for the art. The only reason I did it was because of Scott Snyder. Mm -hmm. He did a fantastic job, and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I love the main series. And luckily, I bought the peripheral, the first one, which was the Gotham Resistance. I didn't believe in it, and I loved it. The best tasting crow I ever ate in a while. I think I read that one. That was, I did, that I did enjoy that one. one, yeah. It was just neat. It was different. It was fun. Anyways, we have the spinoff books that are introducing the different Batmen 
or women in one case. Right. So today we have second print. So if you've missed out, go get these. These are a cover price. I don't know if they've got cooler covers or not, but we have the Dawn ba- Dawnbreaker, which is the evil Batman. Wow, that was a twisted issue. That's Spoiler? Also, that's or, also the... Is that the... Is that the Superman one or is that the no, Green, the Green Lantern one? That's the Green Lantern one. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. And spoiler, okay. Um, I like how they kind of did a, I think, well, I would call it a little homage to Gotham. So obviously he's a kid when he, because as the Joe Chill kills his parents, the ring comes to him that night. But in his grief, he winds up going to a darker side of the green, which unleashes these ugly ass monsters and stuff like <laughs> that. And so he becomes like a young Bat Lantern-esque thing. And so one time he goes because Jim Gordon calls him. So it's a younger Jim Gordon. It's a younger Batman. It's like, oh, that's cool. It's Gotham. <sighs> and like literally like Jim's like, hey, uh, what happened to the penguin? And he's like, oh, yeah, there's parts of him. And as he f- points into the sky, like there's his spleen, there's his arm. And then Gordon questions it. And then Bruce kills him. He's like, oh, the last cop who questioned me. Blah. Wow. Whoa. So, yeah, this is some hardcore stuff. Um, so yes, definitely worth a pickup. Batman the Drowned. Now this one is the Aqua, the evil Aquaman Batman, Which but is it's gender reversed as Bryce. well. So we have yeah Bryce Wayne, and Bryce Wayne is mourning the loss of. Um, oh, it was Simon Kyle. I can't remember now. Darn it! I just no. had it. It was that was actually a pretty good issue. Uh, it went fast though when I read it. It went really fast. So. I know that uh, we usually wait till the next segment to talk about what we read, but I did read Crimson Death and... Oh, the Flash one, the evil flashback. And the Cyborg one, which and the was... Murder Machine. Murder Machine. Yeah. Did not care for Murder Machine. Okay. Uh, I the didn't. Alfred Protocol? I thought I thought that would have been something you would have been kind of cool with. I, I, I like the idea of it, but I just didn't like the execution. Like, I, I don't gotcha. know. The, the, whole, the whole thing seemed very uh, forced, I guess. More yeah, than the like, rest. Let's paint him in a corner and force him this. Yeah, yeah. But the the Crimson Death is it Crimson Death or it's Scarlet Death or Red? I think death? it's the, the the oh man the Red Death. No, I think it's the Crimson Death. Okay, I think yeah. that that one I enjoyed a lot. Like I I, I liked how uh, he forced himself to merge with Barry. Like that was crazy yeah no i like like i used the perfect word the execution of it okay i get it we have to make these villainous batman bruce wayne in his grief looking at a guy like barry allen it's like you got this time machine yeah um yeah why don't you help me here (laughs) and just i could see that one moment of just that panic and that grief that cold calculation where it's like i don't care barry we're doing this i'll live with my sin like yeah the, the Alfred Protocol one and all that, that one you could almost argue that that Batman's okay. It's just the Alfred Protocol that really manipulated him. Right. So it's like, eh, you know. Yeah, some of them, like, honestly, like the Cyborg one, the Murder Machine, and the Drowned, I almost could have put those two together because they just felt like they read so quick. And the other mm. ones gave me more depth, more bite to them. Yeah. But anyways, today, well, today's the big one. Uh, the Merciless. So this is the evil Batman. With the, the Wonder Woman Batman. Oh, yeah. okay. So, like, I'm excited to read this one. I haven't checked it out. So hopefully you get to read it. Uh, so that one's the brand new one. Uh, and what's exciting, and I don't know if I'm reading my solicits right here. Uh, this is straight from Diamond. But the Merciless number one comes out along with the sen- second printing. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so they just shipped them both out. So I'm curious. And so I'll there have was to that much it. of a pre-order that they just felt like, let's just do a second printing. If they did it, they're smart. But you know what they might have What they might have done is maybe they got an artist to do connecting covers. So that would be smart because that way you go in and, oh, shit, I may have bought the others. Let me buy all of them. 
You know, that's something I know I would do. Uh, so don't do that. <laughs> so anyways, the Merciless is brand new today, and the second printing for that one and the Murder, Sh- Murder Machine are also out. Uh, but got to give myself some Blue Beetle love. Blue Beetle 14 is out there. I think today starts the new creative team, but you're going to get tricked because they actually kept Scott Collins, the artist. And I love Scott Collins. You'll remember him from The Flash. From The Flash, yeah. Um, at first, I didn't care for his art. It was very cartoony, but I just love the way he puts so much into a panel. I just I think that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I've never been a big fan of Scott Collins' art oh, yeah? myself. Oh. Uh, but you're right. He does put a he lot put into a, a lot panel, into it, yes. which, you know, is reminiscent of, like, George Perez days, you know, where yeah. so much in, into a panel. Yeah, uh, well, that's the, maybe that's my draw to it because George Perez is my de facto favorite artist. But anyways, okay. Uh, Detective Comics 967 comes out. Oh, like I said, I, earlier today I got on Twitter and I had to praise Tinian. I could only read one comic book before work. I had a lot to choose from, and I went with that one. It was fantastic. I am just loving. I cannot stop ranting and raving about Lonely Place of Living. It was great. Um, today, Tim Drake gave him a cool name. So all these heroes, you got Batwoman, Orphan, Azrael, uh, Clayface, all of them are there. They don't really have a cool name. Finally, Tim is like, all right, Gotham Knights. All right, I dig it. You're not a crappy football team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense. You know, I mean, it's the, the title Gotham Knight has been uh, used for a, a, a ongoing series before, right? Yeah. And then it was used for that uh, animated movie. And then, uh, I mean, obviously, Batman is the Dark Knight. And I guess it's kind of, it, it might it actually. fits. It, but it, it also might thumb the nose at uh, Marvel Knights a little. Ooh. Um, yeah, no, I would say, if anything, maybe Marvel Knights was biting when they tried to be like, well, the Dark Knight, so we'll have um, our street-level heroes. Okay. So, But at the same time, it's like, well, hell, nobody's using Knights anymore. So yeah, there you I go. I dig it. I dig it. Um, <clears throat> all right, so we had Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps issue 31. Uh, that one continues on with Superman. So in the Superman books, we had Parallax possess Superman. Right. And then, you know, which led to a confrontation with Sinestro. So now we know Sinestro's alive. And now this is finally finding its way over to the Hal Jordan Green Lantern book. So it's exciting to see their confrontation there. Uh, Injustice 2, Volume 1 hardcover is out there. So if you've missed those issues, go do yourself a favor, buy the nice collection. Uh, Justice League of America number 17, which continues on the Microverse saga. I know it's got a different name. The Search for Ray Palmer. There we go. Uh, Big reveal. I only got to see it because somebody wrote an article about it. So as they're all deep within this Microverse, and they're talking about things, and there was you know a big explosion, and now we see a giant blue hand coming through so of course that has a lot of speculation if you know your dc comic history uh going back to the silver age green lantern back in the 60s uh corona was the first villain to break through time which caused the multiverse to lose like a million a million years and so that's why he was punished for his crimes and hence he became the villain but one of the biggest things we would always see a hand with a swirling universe inside it right um this was even such a big phenomenon that i remember years ago back when jeff johns used to have his own website with message boards uh there well there was a phenomenon i was living in flagstaff at the time and there was a space phenomenon where they actually said oh in outer space it looks like there's a giant hand so jeff johns was so excited he's like oh my god it's it's the dc hand comics are you know like you know and it is it's cool like the company you're working for this myth you know here's something that could be tying it all together and how how exciting and neat so i know that's something he likes Um, I think everybody else is going towards it being a blue hand. So maybe it belongs to Dr. Manhattan, possibly. But I'm curious to see. Um, Obviously, there's going to be something 
throwing into that hand. You can't just take that mainstay that's never been really explained and not use it somehow. So hopefully that's a big sign of it. And as we get closer to Doomsday Clock, you know, it makes sense for it maybe to be Dr. Manhattan, you know, if that... Well, a clock does have two hands, so <laughs> hey, hey, you like that draw connection, right? Nope. All right. Um, oh, okay. Here's one that I'm going to put out there, which was a fantastic read for me. So I know you read JLA. I know that was a book we both loved. Yes. You know. Um, now here's a here's a question for you. Did you ever read the Midsummer, uh, Midsummer's Nightmare that they did the three issue? prologue before the series i b- believe so yeah that was the one uh, mark wade wrote it where they all basically woke up one day and it was just bruce wayne clark kent diana prince and kyle was an actual comic book artist and wally was like a delivery boy and they would have visions of these heroic lives but they didn't live it and that was where they termed the yes. word spark you would spark and get powers mm-hmm. and so then eventually superman remembered so he found diana they found batman and they became the justice league to stop dr destiny and that was the first time i think he mentioned the word mageddon which was going to be the world war three story that grant left jla off um so anyways that was the book that launched jla uh they're finally putting it in the deluxe edition hardcover I enjoyed that three-issue miniseries, so I would recommend uh, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful collection, and that's probably one of the cheaper ways you can get it without going to the back-issue prices. So definitely put that on your radar if you'd like. Nightwing, the New World Order, number three is out there. So this is basically our first Elseworlds. I'm going to start calling it an Elseworlds. From the Rebirth. Yeah, since the Rebirth era, now we have an Elseworlds, and it is fantastic. Do yourself a favor. Uh, and also, this isn't my cup of tea, but I'm going to put it out there. Wild Storm, a celebration of 25 years. Uh, one of Jim Lee's big creations, his independent work. Uh, obviously, when he came to DC, he brought it over. And it's it's tried to get restarted. I don't think it's ever going to capture what it was. I hope it gets better. And so this is one of those things to pay homage. So 25 years old, congratulations. And there's your hardcover. <laughs> so that's all coming out of your DC comic book side of things. As we take a look, um, so the new previews book is going to be out there. If you really want to be serious about collecting comic books, get the previews guide. Uh, I know it's a little bit pricey and you're like, why am I buying this horrible uh, comic book looking phone book? But that's one of the greatest ways to just really sit down and look at stuff. They give you the solicitations. Uh, The editors, I believe that's one of their responsibilities where they have to write out what's going on. And so this is the book that's going to sell you. So as you start Doing this, as you look through these previous guides and write up your list of comics, this will plan three months in advance, so hopefully you can go to a comic store and order properly. Uh, Do yourself a favor, though. If you do order a lot of books, please, for the love of your comic book store, buy them. Mm. Because they have to front the money to keep your hobby going. Without brick-and-mortar stores, without comic book shops, the hobby just isn't what it used to be. So do that. You're welcome, comic shop owners. That was a nice little freebie for you. <laughs> All right, that gave you enough time to finally get over to the Marvel comic side of things. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number 790. Ooh. I know. Or what happened to my issues there? I went from like 28 to <laughs> 789. Uh, I'm a little bit behind on my Spider-Man, but this is basically the fall of Parker. So everything's gone. Pie Industries, pfft, it is done. So this is going to be continuing on that story. I'm looking forward to reading some of that. Uh, ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number nine. This is probably the issues I think you should be jumping on because oh, I am. The, the web slingers are yeah, back. And the, I know that was something you were yeah, into. Yeah, the slingers are back. Uh, I just I just got done reading the f- two issues that um, the Hornet came back in, the first, oh, yeah, first the two, issue. The or I guess the first issue. But I, I do want to say this, is that I was not impressed with the book. 
Ooh. at first. Um, okay. I love Mark Bagley art, but I, I don't know. It just wasn't caring enough for me. Uh, then they had the story where um, Ben meets death. You know, Marlo. Yeah, Marlo. She's, just, she's parading around as Marlo chambers marlo something yep and uh, rick jones's ex-wife yeah <laughs> and uh she basically cures him of his disease his uh carrying disease and then uh brings the girl back to life and brings back kane back to life after he after killing him after killing him herself uh and and then the, the art changes like it come like you, you come back the book in the very next book Las Vegas has been destroyed because of the events in Secret Empire. And, uh, you know, Ben Riley's still hanging around for whatever reason. But he's made Las Vegas somewhat of his home. And he's, you know, fighting people. He's like, hey, look, I'm, I'm still going to be here. And he uh, and then Hornet shows up now, which is extremely weird because Eddie, who was the Hornet after Peter Parker gave up the costume, uh, had died. He, uh, I don't. I think he had he had died during Wolverine's resurrection through the hand. So what was that called? Enemy of the state. Enemy of the state. Yeah, uh, he went up against the a, a Wolverine with no soul or no you know Ooh. no moral code or anything. He just yeah. he was just a pure killing machine. And uh, yeah, he did not last long. So no, <laughs> uh, it Ricochet even shows up at the end of the book, which is one of the other four um, personas that. Spider-Man had created during that secret identity, no, identity, identity crisis, crisis. <laughs> uh, and it was then given to another person when they created the Sl- Slinger's book, and he's like, hey, do you know, like, he saves Ben Riley's life, which was interesting because Death tells him that, Ben Riley, you can't die another time. If you do, your soul will literally crack because yep. it's died and come back so many times, and uh, he saves him from dying like by catching him because Hornet... Oh, because he tried to demask Hornet and the, it shocked him and threw him across the the roof and like almost you know fell to his death. But uh, the ricochet caught him and he's like, "Hey, do you know why my buddy Eddie, who's supposed to be dead, is standing over there?" <laughs> Which I thought was a great way to end the issue. And I was like, "Okay, now I'm in." Like I I don't know the book just was not like I didn't like the the crazy I'm kind of like Deadpool Ben Riley. I'm glad that personality is gone as well. Yes. Because um, that's never been Ben Riley. Even like, and that's what's tough is you have, um, um, sorry, you have Dan Slott writing the whole clone conspiracy. And so he's the one responsible for bringing Ben back. I didn't read Ben as crazy during that. I no. read him as actually like calculating. It's like, no, this is something you should have done. Pete, there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. So he was a, sin- a sincere villain, you know, and it's like, okay, this isn't too bad. But then, yeah, once once Peter David took over, it's kind of like, who the hell's this? You know, like, I don't need, I don't need Deadpool Spider-Man. Which is interesting because, you know, it's still Peter David writing it. He just decided that the, when the carrion virus got, you know, eliminated, so did the dementia, I guess. Well, that was part of what Marla cured him. Yeah. You know, I think... Th- I feel like that whole really coming close to death literally and physically like finally let him know. And plus it makes sense. I mean, part of what drove Ben to this was dying 27 times. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so, and plus it's not even like, you can't even argue that it was like 27 deaths. Like, Oh, you know, like it was probably under 27 days. Right. I mean, miles Warren was killing him as fast as he could revive him. And I thought that was interesting that she does say like, you've died more than anybody else in this world, in this universe. Or she said in this world. And he's like, or he, she said, he said in this world. And she goes in this universe. And I was like, wait, what about like Wolverine? Like, <laughs> he had to have died more times than him. I mean, there's got to be other or Deadpool himself. Hell of I know, man. Like that, it's how the, which ones count for Wolverine's death or not? You know, like when he gets reduced to just being a little piece of hair and then regrows and somehow regrows the adamantium as well. Right. Yeah, I have no clue. Yeah. So <laughs> Marvel science. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, yes, no, but I would, I would give the Ben Riley book some love. Uh, I hope this arc, I hope it's paying out for you because I like the way they ended that issue. It definitely was a filler issue, mm-hmm. but those last three pages made it worthwhile. Right. So yeah, no, I agree that that could have, that was a tough one, but I do like this direction and I hope it gets better. All right. So another major book, which ties in perfectly what we're talking about today, Black Panther issue 166. So we're finally getting the legacy and Black Panther's getting up there to a big number. And today starts part one of a story called Claw Stands Supreme. Look at that. So if you like what we have to say, then immediately go buy this issue of Black Panther, which I think is going to be a big prime book. I don't know. Something about the movies is telling me that that should probably be. <laughs> is this the one where I thought I saw some preview pages for this or maybe it was it maybe it was another issue where he's like walking into, I want to say like a spirit world and he's talking to all the previous Black Panthers that came before him, so basically his his ancestors. I imagine so. Um, I know that's always been something that they've played with, that now the Panthers can talk amongst themselves. Mm. Um, but I, I I didn't get a chance to see those previews, but I think they would do that because obviously they want to show that Black Panther is not just one character, but it's actually a legacy, mm-hmm. which ties into the new theme of stuff. And, um, which gives us the, that, that Avengers one or BC 1 million or exactly, 1, 1 million yeah, that, BC that tie into it as well. Yeah. That's true. Good. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. So that's a big issue. So like I said, if you enjoy what we've got here, definitely pick it up. There's going to be like at least seven or eight variants. So uh, <laughs> pick one that you'd like. Uh, Daredevil number 28. Daredevil 27 was interesting because it brought us back to the character of Blindspot, um, an Asian immigrant and undocumented. And basically, instead of letting the woes and the troubles hit him, he actually uses technology to make himself better. And he became a superhero called Blindspot. So at first, people thought he looked like Gambit because the way he was drawn, he also had a bow staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's not Gambit. um, But he's got the kind of costumey elements of him. So anyways, he can turn invisible. Hence, he's your blind spot. Right. And so uh, he did a great job in the Daredevil books. And unfortunately, one psycho villain, like this this was like one of the best villains that's been created in a while, um, took his eyes. So blind spot is now blind. Wow. Which ties in very well with the Daredevil books and all that stuff. So Matt has gone on a quest to help uh, young blind spot. But blind spot now has really taken in with the evil sorcery. So we've always dealt with the hand, the ninja clan, the hand. Uh, the Ninja Turtles fight the foot. Now we see ten fingers, and it gets even bigger. So uh, it's it's been a worthwhile book. So jump on it and enjoy it. Uh, is it going to be tie into the Mandarin? Ten fingers, the ten rings. I you know that would be smart. Um, I don't know if they're going that route, but that would actually that'd be pretty smart to play it that way. Uh, let's see if I remember correctly. Uh, Punisher is going to be a book to pop up on your horizon. I know for sure we have Punisher Platoon. So if you were a fan of Punisher Born, there was a couple years where Marvel was doing these just glorious origin stories. 
And they did one called Punisher Born. And if I remember correctly, it was, um, oh, the team that did Preacher. Oh. Enos and... I don't remember the artist. Dylan. There we go. Dylan, Steve Dylan. Yeah, that's right. Dylan. And beautiful art and just a hell of an amazing story. So I, I think he was actually back in Vietnam. And this is where we see where Frank's like anger is really coming from. So this is kind of a spiritual sequel. Um, Platoon, it takes us back to his days over there in Nam, or at least in the service, and then we, we get to see what's going on. And do you think we'll, it will have a uh, any relevance? Relevance, thank you, to uh, the the show coming out here in November, beginning of November. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they don't just put these books out by accident. Yeah, <laughs> with there being a show and Frank getting a little bit more hard profile, especially after him screwing up in Secret Empire. Yeah, this book's gonna be out there. It, it, there's definitely. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to do some like. Um, flashbacks to Frank being in the service with John Berthenol acting that out. Mm-hmm. You know, just a great way to be like, hey, here we go. Or just go watch Tank and you can pretend that's Frank Castle. <laughs> <laughs> Fury. Fury. There you hey, go. Yeah. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> um, a book to... Well, uh, so Punisher 17 is also out as well, but unfortunately it is not the one I was thinking about. Um, the one I was thinking about is where Frank Castle gets the War Machine armor, but that's probably going to be coming up here in a couple of weeks. And last one on my list I would recommend is X-Men Blue number 14. Um, The crossover with the X-Men Gold books, the Mojo thing, has actually been kind of fun. Um, I've bought the gold issues to go with it, to accompany it, and it's been reading fantastic. So this one, it did a good job. Unfortunately, I won't be staying on gold. Um, It's a little bit too much out of my price range that I want, but they did a great job with this crossover. So that's what's on your spinner rack. So like I said, you better be ready to buy a lot of books. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, X-Men, I just finished, uh, I think yesterday, I read the X-Men Blue issue where uh, you I, I don't know if you find out or at least I found out that the person teaching young Hank how, oh. how to do magic is actually the Goblin Queen. Madeline Pryor. Yeah. So was that like the original Madeline Pryor Goblin Queen or is that like a, a another clone is that like a it's like a Ben Riley type of thing like it's it's her but it's probably not the original body okay uh, she's definitely been upgraded more like before she was just a clone who practiced the dark arts now I'd say she's a full-on you know like demon-esque woman like yeah she looks like magic with the horns and stuff yeah, like that. yeah yeah so she's she's definitely power upgraded because last time I saw her, she was actually, she was more like a phantom trying to find a body to live in. And that was the one, I don't know if you were reading Uncanny X-Men at the time. Mm-hmm. Greg Land was on the art. I just remembered that they all had the same face. Sorry, I like Greg, Greg Land art. Uh, I, no, I like his I art it. too. But I get his, what he, does, he know, draws a lot of the same thing over yeah, and over. You know. But so anyway, so Madeline Pryor was trying everything she could to get into Jean Grey's grave. And to get that, a body. Yeah, to get the body. And that was the one where we we had the creepy moment where like, Scott's like, all right, Wolverine, or, or no, it's like once they prevented the body or something, they're like, okay, do, are all the totems of Jean like taken care of so that way Madeline can't go? And the Wolverine's like, I got a lock of her hair. And it's like, um, that's my ex-wife, buddy. <laughs> well, Madeline's kind of his ex-wife too. True. <laughs> that was my favorite ex-wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then she basically gets – Hank to conjure up or you know teleport in other evil versions of characters that the we know. Hexman, the Hexman, yes. Yeah. 
Bob, one, it, one, it changes storm. <laughs> it changes him into this white fur beast. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, there was Bloodstorm, which is supposed to be the vampire like storm, right? Yeah, actually, she's an old character. I swear to God, I remember her from Mutant X. The one where Havoc left the 616 and was in that other world. Mm-hmm. And there he was running around with with Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen. Uh, Beast was the amphibious looking one. Mm. And then Archangel had those bat, the bat looking wings. So, yeah, I could have sworn. I thought it was Bloodstorm. It could know? be. So, but anyways, yeah, that's an old concept because there was a time in the X-Men comics, late 70s, early 80s, where uh, Dracula and Storm were an item. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so they would always play that off like, well, what if Storm got bitten by a vampire bat? <laughs> <laughs> so is there, uh, and do you remember who the other Oh, man, let's see. Well, so we had a Colossus who went full scale into the demonic arts. That's right. Um, we had Beast, we had Bloodstorm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, who was also more demon-esque as well. Was there a Magneto? I don't think there was a Magneto. Um there may have been one more. It's escaping me right now. Okay. But I almost feel like that. I don't know. Like, so obviously it sounds like you were kind of reading those issues. I feel like I missed an issue. I don't know. Like, it just between one of the books, it took a jump. And I'm like, did I miss something? Or did it just it, 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 drop something? No, because I, 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 uh, I don't know. Was that the same issue where where Lorna was talking to uh, Magneto about, you know, uh, staying with the team or not? I think so because like she had just made her triumphant return during the whole Secret Empire tie-in issues, so it was like two issues of Secret Empire and then two or three of this whole and I think beast that's magic it, thing. I think that's where the disconnect comes from. The reason why you feel like you you're missing something is because of the Secret Empire tie-ins and stuff like that. Like the whole like I don't even like I remember her uh, Jean having to do some weird shit to to get Scott out of Emma's trance or whatever, but then like. When they came back in this issue, they're sitting there talking about how well now we're inside each other's minds all the time. There's there's nothing yeah. that we can do about yeah, the, that. The telepathic, telepathic Rappaport is back. Yeah, so it's just it's like, not the first time they've had that. Really? No. Yeah. Oh, yay! All right. So let's, let's summers one hundred and one. <laughs> um, no, actually. Um, during the original X Factor run, when it was the original X Men, um, I forget how, but Jean Grey. Uh, she actually came to Cyclops with the idea of establishing a permanent telepathic Rappaport. So they would be in each other's minds all the time. And, of course, you know, they loved each other, so it was not an issue. Right. Yeah. Um, people forget that those two had a, a deep love. Like, people are just like, oh, well, the movies. Yeah, we already went through that story. It was the <sighs> Claremont run. Uh, once Claremont, you know, finally resolved the love triangle. Because once Gene di- once Jean, Jean died, I could not say that. Scott went on to Madeline, and Logan went on to Yuriko, if I remember correctly. And so, you know, they both moved on. Gene came back. Scott went to her in a very forced fashion because of bad writing. But but Scott thought Madeline was was Gene, right? Yes. But he was led to that because this was all the mastermind. Okay. You know, Um, yeah, there's a a whole... I'll I'll bring you the trades. (laughs) It's exciting stuff. But... Something I'm 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 excited about. So they've been what I'm looking forward to on the horizon. So that Phoenix Resurrection series that we're gonna get, the five issues that's gonna restore the adult Jean Grey. Bad marketing idea. Don't call it that. The adult Jean <laughs> the Grey. The grown no. up Mar- Jean Grey. Yeah, that just sounds sounds dirty, you know. But anyways, um, 
One of the variant covers has Scott and Jean kissing. I was going to say, is, is it going to be important to bring back an, an adult Jean Grey if there's not an adult Cyclops running around? Uh, yeah, well, who knows? I, I but Well, and I get they have to differentiate because if they say, oh, we're bringing Jean Grey back, it's like, you currently publish a book called Jean Grey? How is this the thing? You know, I get it, but maybe that's where they could have said we're bringing back the original Jean Grey, or just we're bringing back the Phoenix and let it differentiate that way. But you know, it is what it is. But anyways, one of the variant covers shows Jean and Scott kissing, and also they do the True Believers, which are their reprint series, which I love because you can get classic issues for like a dollar. Uh, these are fantastic comic book stores. Do yourself a favor, stock up on these, keep them handy. But anyways, two major books that stick out that are weird because a lot of them are definitely like Jean Grey moments, which is perfect. But two of them stick out. Uh, one is a reprinting of uh, X-Men first series, so the original Uncanny. I want to say, if I, if I remember if it's either 38 or 48. I want to say 48, I think. And that's the first time Scott and Jean like, admit they love each other. So it's like, huh? Why is that in the uh, Why is that in the queue there? <laughs> and then the other one is X Men Second Series, so the '90s X Men book, uh, issue thirty, which was the wedding of Scott Summers and Jean Grey. So, hmm. So you know, you know what that reminds me of, or it what it reminds me is like if you watch a TV show, and like you know, a show that does it really well or does it very often is uh, Supernatural on the CW. Okay. You're watching that show, and, like, the, the first part of the show, the very beginning of the show, well, I think they they have a cold open. Maybe they don't. I don't remember. But it, it will be, like, uh, it's, like, a recap part of the episode where it's, like, hey, this is what you missed the last episode or you missed this season so far. But then they'll throw in something from, like, four seasons back or back in, the th- <laughs> back in season three, and you're, like, wait, why are they bringing that up right now? And like, ah, it's going to have something to do with whatever's going to happen in this episode. So the same idea is that, you know, why are they why reprinting issues? this issue? Yeah. Ah, it's going to have something, be something important for what's going to be happening in, in the current story. So that's, yeah. I, that's what I, I find that funny. And no, some TV shows do it. Some TV shows, some TV shows don't. Sometimes I want to, I want TV shows to just throw in random stuff just to throw people off so that they can't guess what's going to happen in the episode. I'll admit like mystery is neat, but yeah, in this day and age with like advanced orders and you know, the internet, nothing can't, you know, yeah. yeah. I cheat. I cheat all the time. I, I go on to Amazon and I put Marvel comics and I search it as books and I put publication date and that'll put all the trades that are coming out like six months from now, you know, cause like I was, so I thought when they were doing this whole Marvel legacy, who will return? Yeah. I was dead set. I was like, Ooh, century. He might be one of the characters to return. Something's going to happen because they just re-released the century trade paperback again. Mm. I'm like, that's not it. Okay, no offense to anybody, but it wasn't a good read. <laughs> you know, it's like so. Why? Why which, his which, origin? Stuff? Which one is that? Is it, is the one where that was the one where they they where Marvel did the whole thing where they made up a guy like Artie. He was an old writer back in the day, and him and Stan co-created the Century, and they did those books: the Century and the X Men, Century and the Fantastic Okay, so that Four. that one yeah. that that's the trade the trade's gonna that collect trade, those yeah. ones. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because I know like, there's that one and there's the there's another one. There was another yeah, the one that was very Silver Age where you had the right. blue cowl. Yeah, yeah, that one was done. That was like that would be like his third story because you had the original Century stuff, which kind of fell flat. The character went into obscurity again, and it's like, well, maybe it was just a miniseries event. Who knows? And the next time he pops up was in New Avengers when they did their Century arc, where they literally go to Mark Millar's house and they're like. um, 
did you create a comic book character? And Mark Millar's like, I'm staring at fucking Wolverine. <laughs> you know, like there's bloody Spider-Man, you know. Is uh is 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 the trade that's coming out, is that Jay Lee art? Yes, Jay Lee. Yeah, yeah good call. That's okay, right. That's right, Jay Lee. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. But the one you're talking about, yeah, that was like the third one where they did like Silver Age Century stories <laughs> with all its wacky, wholesome goodness. <laughs> Uh, all right. Oh, go ahead. We're still talking about what we read this week. Um, I did get to read that uh, Nightwing New World Order number two. I thought it was really cool. You know, like this, I guess the best way to put it, the fascist forces that Nightwing controls coming after him and his son and like Nightwing trying to, He, I mean, he was doing pretty good at holding them off on his own. Yeah. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know they they kind of get the upper hand on him, but I like I like I do I would say again that I like how uh, the the armor that they wear is all Batman esque. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, and I, I really loved Alfred in that. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was so great too. And he's just like, no, you're you're not gonna get past me. But he's like, come on, Alfred. Yeah, yeah I thought that was I was just thought that's neat. Like that's one of the things that like I love Dick Grayson and Alfred. I love their relationship. You know, because it's like, I feel like Alfred didn't really know how to be a father, and hence why Bruce came out darker. And so he kind of realized, like, I should really force should change the boy it up to a go little out bit. and like fly a kite every now and then. And, yeah, it was like because Bruce is the first one. He's like, yeah, I don't want him to break anymore, so I'm just gonna let him do what he wants to do, and I'll encourage whatever it is. And then the second one's like, okay, I need to set more boundaries. Yeah, like, we're not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I like how he tells the stories. Like he tells uh, young. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I can't think of his name right now, but Dick's son. Yeah, Dick's like, oh, and then your dad did this. And da, 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 da. Yeah. I didn't he also like, say like, you know, uh, your your father and Jason were brothers and so, like, doesn't he tell a story about Jason? I can't remember off the top of my head because oh, I, I read that one right as it came out. I'm yeah. like, oh, I need to. I'm I'm looking forward to three. Um, but no, this is just a beautiful book. Honestly, like, do yourself a favor, go out and see if you can get the issues because it's like. I don't know about you. Well, I know. I, I think it's safe to say we both loved Elseworlds. Those were so much fun, you know, and it's neat to like, obviously this is why we do what we do, but I, those were just fun books to have. And so I'm very excited that this is out there. And uh, I loved the, I went in, uh, I finished up long, hard traveling hero. Oh yeah. The green arrow. One? Yeah. yeah. And uh, that, that ended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that ended. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of a weird because the last story, or the second to the last story, was him and Hal, which is cool, but it they just don't seem to have that relationship that they used to have no. pre rebirth, uh, and they kind of bring that up, and they're like, well, I mean, who knows if it's supposed to have been that way or not anymore, but uh, yeah, like I I felt nothing between them, like it was kind of like it almost felt like. If anything, it felt like Connor and Kyle's first meeting. Yes. Where it's like everybody expects us to be friends, so let's try this. Uh-huh. And at least Kyle and Connor had more fun. Uh-huh. This one with Hal, it was like, oh, I'm Green Lantern. I've been doing this forever. Oops, somebody hit me in the head. I'm unconscious. Bye-bye. <laughs> you know? Yeah, then then Oliver's lasts a very long time out there with no air, which yeah. is very weird. Because, you know, pressure in space is like whatever. Yeah. And the vacuum is, <laughs> yeah. And so, and then... um. And then that goes directly into Gotham Resistance because at the end of it, I, I think yeah, Batman was Batman's like, like "Hey, well, I'm going to want to join away. the league." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and that was once again. I, I think you brought this up like a couple days ago when we were talking, or we were talking with some other people about comic books, and it's like they offer 
Oliver uh, a seat at the table, at the Justice League table. And once again, he, he says, no, that's okay. It's not for me. <laughs> yep. I, it was cute the first time. You know, because, okay, so this goes back to its origins start with JLA Year One. Mm-hmm. And so JLA Year One was basically dealing with post-crisis. And so the original JLA was the Magnificent Seven. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter. And when they restarted the JLA, well, you couldn't get Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman because their origins were being started brand new. Right. And the JLA was still like, oh, we had the classic satellite error. So thus confusion. So we kept Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Marsh Manhunter. So to balance it out, we put Black Canary on the team. That way we have the female figure. Mm -hmm. And Black Canary would be a substitute for Wonder Woman. So that way you could keep those adventures. And it was what it was, and it was good. And so, anyways, obviously the JLA needed a financial backer, and you know, Ollie's pissed. Oh, they won't, they won't ask me. So of course, he becomes the financial backer, hoping to be like, "Hey, let's get more heroes, guys who shoot arrows, yay!" And of course, they never really did. And then it's like he wants to be on it so bad that finally, when he does get the chance to be on it, what happens? No, I'll pass. Cute the first time, boring the next ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> and then I mean. I think I, I only have to say that if you re- watch like um, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon, like him being on the team is only better for both the team and him. Like it makes for better adventures for him. Yes. No, he's like there's characters like like Green Arrow can hold a book. He can. But I think what helps him hold a book better is when he has a bigger supporting cast. And he's like the character, like if I was going to launch, like, okay, let's say, well, they should have done it that way. When um, New 52 happened, you had Justice League, which was the big seven. Then they did Justice League of America, which was formed around Ollie. But kind of once they took, you know, but this wasn't the right Ollie. You know, Mm -hmm. this was an Ollie trying to find himself and even the writers were trying to find it. But like, I would say like when they did like, okay, for example, right now um, in the Rebirth era, we have... JLA? Yeah, it is JLA. Mm-hmm. So that's the big seven, and that book's not doing so well. Sorry. And then you have Justice League of America, founded by Batman, and that's his Oh, his it's weird just Justice team. League, isn't it? No, I think it is Justice League of America. Well, no, I mean, the, the other one's not JLA. It's yeah. just Justice League. Oh, it is just Justice League. It's yeah. not JLA? Okay. No. And so, this, yeah, and yeah, Justice, this one League, is Justice League, League and Justice League, League of America. Which is Batman's. Yeah, which is Batman's team, and he's obviously scheduled to quit. That's the perfect time to bring green arrow in like let him be a leader you know like hawkeye did great when he led the thunderbolts hawkeye did great when he led the avengers those archers have a tenacity to them let them do it you know it's worked so let's go the other way and you know and that's another thing is like yes batman is is the other hero is the hero that's a human you know like he's 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 he doesn't have a superpower and stuff like that but he's still batman he's still bigger than life he's bigger than many of the many of the superheroes that have actual superpowers yes that's why he's part of the trinity so putting oliver on a team like that where he has to be the human uh against people with meta powers or superpowers or other metas and stuff like that it really does play up to the fact that he's human like and then it, it it without having to um infringe on on hawkeye you know you get that that whole i've taken down Iron Man with you know in his suit you know working completely. Here's a guy who has future technology, and I'm using something that the Mesopotamians used. Yeah, and I was able to take him down. So I mean, you get that with you can get that with Ollie, and I think that it wasn't that right before Flashpoint when they had the the big 
Justice League, JLA team, and then they had the Justice League of America team, which yeah, that was, cry for justice when that when they they did the two books. Yeah, and, and Oliver Oliver was the leader, or no, or, or uh, not Oliver, but um, well, Roy uh, was on it. Ba- uh, Black Canary was on was the leader of the team, wasn't she? Yeah, I think she was chairman, and so Ollie would pop in every now and then mm-hmm. in the adventures. Yeah, okay, but no, even actually, that's that's even probably a better pick. Black Canary, let her be. The focus was what was the where was the when it was Steve Trevor was the the leader of the Justice oh, League. Oh, that was Justice League of America, New, New Fifty Two. Okay, and yeah. didn't he have Oliver on that team? Yeah, he did because like he essentially assembled like Martian Manhunter was the anti Superman, uh, Firestorm was the anti like he he built the team purposely because that's what led into Trinity War. Oh, okay. And then thankfully they just put Justice League of America out of its misery <laughs> <laughs> and then brought it back with Batman and his Suicide Squad. Well, now, yeah, with the Rebirth. Because, so, yeah. no, Justice League of America, that book got canned. Like, it may have made it to two years' worth of publication. Oh, wow. Yeah, it got, like, pretty much after Trinity War, it lost steam. <laughs> uh, I, I can't. Uh, I can't think of anything else that really sticks out to what I read that we haven't already talked about. So is there something that, what did you read this past week? So I'm still traveling back in time and I've been reading, um, I'm reading two books. I'm jumping back and forth between them. Um, just fantastic stuff though. So Captain Adam, his first DC comic series, which ran for 57 issues and two annuals. Um, I just finished issue 32. I'm loving it. Like it, it actually still holds. Even though it's a book firmly entrenched in 1986 and all that, it holds. Like, it's a great read. And I'm just like, damn, this is a great character. I wish <laughs> DC was doing more with him. Um, well, because, okay, let me ask you, because I know I, I definitely, you know, I, I think I put it on your plate and probably pressured you into reading it more. Did you like the Captain Adam, uh, the fall and rise of Captain Adam? Did you like it? You could be honest. No, no, no. I, and I, I, still have, I still haven't finished it. Uh, I, I read, what was it, those first three issues? Yeah. Of the series, and uh, I, I did like it. I did like what I was reading. I liked how it was playing with time. I liked how it was uh, referring to itself in the past tense, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I enjoyed the 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 writing on it. I don't think I, I don't I don't remember enjoying the um, art all that much, but yeah, I could agree with that. But I I think I think I just saw in the October solicits or January solicits. That they're they're collecting that in trade now? Yes. Okay. Well, we live in the age of everything gets collected, so <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll pick that up. No, okay. I, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it, and it's funny because the two writers of that actually wrote the 1980s series. Okay. Yeah, so they came back to do that because they both, after they left comics, they went off into television, did a great job, and you know they decided, hey, let's let's have some fun here. Um, the only thing I would advise against the that mini series is. It's got a lot of unresolved plot threads. Oh, pick it up, please. You know, like come on, DC, let's do something. You know, like. But anyways, but I, as I'm reading that, I am enjoying it. Like I said, I'm an issue like 32. Uh, Cap lost his powers, and uh, he, you know, so he's gonna actually have to team up because when you lose your powers, or you're just a man, who do you go to? You go to Batman. So he's gonna team up with Batman here in the next issue. But I just loved it. I, I thought it was great. Him dealing with, you know, uh, the government lie, the time travel, 18 years into the future. Um, because the way it works is he's, he's he's framed for killing a general. So they say you can either be executed or you can do this Project Captain Atom mm-hmm. where we're going to put you inside the shell and then put a nuke off. And he's like, well, fine, let's do that. Because if you survive, you'll get a full presidential pardon. 
So they're like, okay, let's do it. So they do the explosion, and then immediately he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened, da 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 Oh, it went 1968 to 1986. <laughs> Holy crap. And in those lost 18 years, he basically finds out that this general, this other general that he hated, who was also one of his um, judges in the, the, the tribunal, married his wife and raised his two kids. So it's like your enemy basically took the place of you as a father. So it's just interesting for him to have to deal with that. The military jargon, the the cloak and dagger stuff. It's fun. It's very worthwhile. Track him down. DC, just make trades, please. Finally. (laughs) Uh, So I've been enjoying that. And then also I was, I'm, I'm reading the, Oh man, I can't remember now. It was before Jason Aaron took over ghost Rider. Um, the writer's name escapes me, but it's just been fun because this is actually right around the time of civil war. Mm. Um, so this was the one pumpkin head villain who also flew on a glider. Jack-o'-lantern. Jack-o'-lantern. So after he was just killed by the Punisher, he gets resurrected by the devil. So basically what happened was Johnny Blaze got killed after Ghost Rider. So he's already Ghost Rider. So Johnny Blaze got killed, which sent Johnny Blaze and the Ghost Rider into hell. So every day in hell, he tries to escape from hell and come back to Earth. And, of course, it's hell. So it's like, I can see the gates. I'm so close. Nope, it's five more miles. Damn it. You know, so he's just in this horrible situation. So he finally does get out of hell with the help of this little demon. The little demon turns out to be Satan. So as Ghost Rider and the demon are fighting, the demon gets split up into 666 pieces. So these little bits of Satan will then take over people. Uh, So Johnny is on a mission to hunt them down and bring them to hell. Um, One of them took over the jack-o'-lantern and he terrorized this small sleepy town. It was just a great story. And like the art has a little bit of a spooky element to it. So I'll have to look up the writer's name again, but I've just been enjoying those two books. Yeah, the one thing I remember about jack-o'-lantern is that let's say mid 90s late 90s there was a uh a, a Mar- marvel put out a book that was like i think it was just four issues and it was for halloween and it was called uh supernaturals and, oh my god i remember that. jack-o'-lantern was the, the i think the main villain in that which uh might have been after he was brought back by a demon I'm sure they tried to do something because yeah, he fought like I mean it was since it was the supernaturals it was like werewolf by night, blade, yeah. ghost rider. I mean it was like that's a that's a fucking crew. <laughs> I mean like DC does a very good job of its mysticals, but Marvel has some very powerful mystical characters too and it's like yeah, you need to like I'm hoping the Spirits of Vengeance miniseries that's out there. Uh, I'm waiting. I I'm going to let a couple issues build before I read it cuz I don't like the art. But I'm hoping that does become something, you know, because, I mean, we essentially have three ghost riders out there. We've got Blade. We've got the two children of Satan, Doctor Strange. I mean, you got some people out there. It's like, yeah, what if they put together their own crew? Wow. Is uh, the son of Satan, is that Hellstrom? Yes. Okay. Did he, he does, does he go by Lucifer also? Or does I, he just go by Hellstrom? I don't I think it's Johnny Hellstrom. Okay. I think because it's Satana is the girl. Right. Hellstrom's the boy. And then they do have secret identities for some reason. Okay. And social security numbers because that's important. Well, you can't really (laughs) have a life in this, in this country if you don't have security number, social security number. Okay. Uh, so that, that's what we've been reading this week. I think it's time to get onto our one one Yes. We gotta, we gotta teach some people. Learn, we gotta learn some people about, uh, about, uh, one Ulysses claw. Um, K-L-A-U-E. Yeah. <laughs> Such an odd way of spelling it. But, you know, he also is one of these guys that... I, and I feel like Marvel does it more than DC does. 
But he comes like his his code name, his secret identity, or his super villain name is K L A W. So a little bit closer to the proper way to spell Claw. Right. But like you hear about it, you hear about a villain that his name is Claw. What do you think like he's gonna be? What do yeah, you? You would think like that would have been Wolverine's first name, <laughs> right? You think you think there's gonna have some? He's gonna have some big nails or talons or something that he slashes people up with. No, he has a sonar or sonic hand. And he's dubbed the murderous master of sound. See, what does that have to do with Claw? <laughs> like, why did I give him a name that had something to do with sound? Like, reverberous or something, you know? <laughs> well, now, honestly, this could be something. I, I should have done my homework a little bit, but who knows? Maybe this could be something like Nimrod. Because I'll admit, like, I, I that blew my mind. I think I, I just learned that a couple months oh, ago. Oh, the Ed, Elmer that, Fudd thing? Yeah. The reason why. You know, like, Nimrod apparently was, like, the the, the, the lightning bolt of the gods or something like that, the, the seeker. And then it's like, no, He was Nimrod, a great hunter, yeah. Yeah, he was a great hunter. And I'm like, no, Nimrod, that's, like, what you call, like, an Elmer Fudd or that. But, you know, that's what Bugs Bunny would call people. And I always, for the life of me, whenever I'd read X-Men comics, I'm like, Nimrod. Who would build, like, it must have been, like, irony. That's how I explained it to myself. I was like, oh, you, you built this great, crea- this great crea- computer and you just call it nimrod okay yeah. <laughs> you know like irony twist yeah so, so I, I maybe mean, there's something i don't know maybe claw. maybe claw and sound but yeah uh i mean i obviously he has his hand chopped off and it's replaced so that's the claw i don't know uh but yeah what created when first appearance all right so the the, the the information we're looking at so his first appearance he appeared as just like in the movies we meet ulysses first the first time we meet Ulysses is in Fantastic Four issue 53, way back in August of 1966. Now, this is an impressive issue. Why? Because the issues before that were the coming of Galactus. Wow. So you have Galactus, the be-all, end-all. And then what do we get next? Claw. <laughs> so anyway, so he, he was introduced to us as his... his essentially blood diamond-esque hunter you know exploiting this tribe and trying to steal their goods uh that's how we first meet him and then eventually uh three issues later in issue 56 he finally gets the powers uh you know after the hand is cut off and even his body is changed too he's turned reddish uh, because it's not a costume he wears it's that he was actually turned that way Hmm. due to contact with the vibranium so his first appearance is in fantastic four is it part of a Black Panther uh, story? Yes, yes. Actually, he uh, he he's essentially created. I mean, he he will turn out to be a Fantastic Four villain, but it's more to actually be a villain of. Well, actually, I would say no. Sorry, he was not created to be a Fantastic Four. He's created to be a villain for the Black Panther. But the Black Panther had his first start in the Fantastic Four book. And at this time, I don't think he had his own headline story. So it's like, oh well, let's let's find another reason to go to Wakanda. Hey, let's get some poachers that are going to be going. I don't know if poachers is the right word, but you know, some guys that are going to be going and terrorizing Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Yeah, and and, and I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but uh, I would say my my first uh, viewing of uh, of Claw was in the 1994 Fantastic Four cartoon, and in that in that episode was a, a black the introduction or at least a, a Black Panther episode, and and I remember. You know, I that must have been my introduction to Black Panther and uh, Claw, like as his enemy. So it's it's fitting that it was both a Black Panther and Fantastic Four episode cartoon. You know, yeah, cartoon episode. No, I tell you what, that um, the Marvel Action Hour. <laughs> you know, the Iron Man one, that that cartoon, the Iron Man cartoon. 
Uh, definitely try to stay modern, but revisit old classics. But the Fantastic Four one was perfect. It's like, let's just start. Like, literally, it's like, oh, did you write a script? Yeah, it's called Fantastic Four number one. Okay, what about the second episode? Yeah, it's <laughs> called Fantastic Four issue two. Yeah. And it was perfect. Like, they just did it spot on. And that series was great. I loved it. Like, I mean, you did read Fantastic Four comics. Right. Um, and so exactly that's truth be told. That's exactly where I met Claw too. I met Claw there as well. Uh, it was a beautiful cartoon. I, I enjoyed the animation. Uh, it was a great introduction to the Black Panther himself. Actually, no, that, that was his second appearance, if I remember correctly. Okay. the Black Panther, the first time he comes around, he actually tries to kidnap the Fantastic Four to oh, show he's mighty. right. I remember that. And then the next time he actually now calls out to the Fantastic Four, I need help because um, our, your, our vibranium is being uh, exploited, you know, and so I just thought it was great. And I, I really liked how in his lust and greed to get what he wanted, it cost him his hand. I just think that was great. Like it's, you know, it's it's the perfect supervillain origin where it's like I did all these stupid things. And now I'm suffering the consequences and it's your fault. It's your fault that happened. I was like, he is just, he's a perfect villain. So you know? as we saw in the, for the MCU, uh, how we saw um, Claw lose his hand is uh, Ultron chops it off because, yeah, straight up chopping chops. because uh, of his greed or because of him being him. Do you know how he loses his hand in the comic book and the original story? If I remember correctly, because uh, it's been some time, I think while he was actually fighting, um, part of it was because like the vibranium, the vibranium that we're used to seeing is refined. Right. And so vibranium actually comes from outer space. So it was like a big meteor that crashes into Earth. Mm-hmm. And they, they nicknamed it the way it was because of the way it would react. And so obviously you're not supposed to touch it. And Ulysses is like, you know, he eventually goes into a cave and sees a big old or of it and it's like i'm gonna do what i want and so during the ensuring battle you know he does get knocked over and puts his hand on it and it's like i think it was just the fact that the motion and the collision between the hand and the vibranium essentially just like disintegrated disintegrated his hand hand. and so um and it also like mutated his body to the point where that's where he became that way so he exploits his power but he can't focus it like say like, okay, Havoc and Cyclops. Havoc can control his power naturally. Cyclops can't. So that's why he wears the visor. Mm-hmm. Claw, actually, that's why he has to have that megaphone hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, he, he can't exploit his power. Like, he can't make optic blast or, you know, sonic screams. He has to do it through the actual uh, so megaphone. So the idea that the vibranium gave him super strength because it's attuning his body to sound uh using sound manipulation as best as he can and then now but the outlet for it like say if superman couldn't release his uh heat vision he would burn up inside you know he he has to release it through his eyes uh claw has to release it through his uh sonic hand now he built the the sonic device himself because of his genius level intellect yeah because of course you know He's all bad guy. Well, everybody in the Marvel Universe is a scientist. You right. Know? Scientists <laughs> and, so, and doctors. Yeah. So essentially he did. He had this, you know, ability. And so he, he built his machine to help him refine. Because that's also like part of what creates Claw is he is insane. You know, because his body is in perpetual pain or, you know, whatever he's feeling due to the mutation and, and the vibranium. So to exactly, I like how you use that Superman analogy. Instead of just being bottled up, he needs a way to focus it out. And hence why he went through the idea of that uh, 
megaphone hand. Now let me ask you this: when you like when you first think of Claw, who is it? I mean, who do you see him as the foe for? Well, I definitely I'm always gonna have it in my mind that he's a Black Panther villain. Okay. Um, but. And this is where it's kind of funny because the character for me has two origins. Um, I've always known about him, never cared about him, never anything. And the first time I really met him as a character was in Daredevil. Okay, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, why he should have been a Daredevil villain. But go ahead, let me let me hear you what you got. No, 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 I was going to. I'm going to build off of that because I'm pretty sure we're talking about the same story. Yes, uh, as of most of most recent kind of reboot for him or, or uh, well, for, back in 2011 for, yeah 2011 so, that's about right yeah uh you saw that version of claw that he was split into a bunch of different or like his body was phasing in and out yeah. like different parts of him and stuff like that and it was really messing with uh daredevil's uh you know his sonic senses his, yeah his senses uh to the point where he couldn't quite tell what was there or what wasn't there and uh that's I guess that was yeah my reintroduction to Claw and like he obviously had gotten an upgrade or a redesign if what have you and makes sense I mean a guy who manipulates sound should go up against a person who rely who relies a lot on sound yeah uh, no yeah I thought that was the perfect I was like wow it's you know you you got your peanut butter and my chocolate no wait and I, I was like wow that was fantastic uh the series we're talking about would be daredevil volume three and these issues came out uh the later part of 2011 so daredevil issues one two and three deal with claw for some reason having just been like it, i would almost equate it to like kind of how superman blue created superman red right so he got processed and sent out but he couldn't really manage himself back together again so he's terrorizing this poor electronic store and he's trying to essentially rebuild himself and when daredevil investigates it further claws just like oh well you'll be my human conduct so he kidnaps matt murdoch puts him in there starts fitting him with the claw hand and other devices and is just like i'm gonna re broadcast myself into him and thus take him over and I was like, wow, that's, you know, this is like some pretty like high level genius stuff. So that's when I started realizing, oh, okay, he's not just a simple poacher, you know, like he's actually, he's got some, some skill sets, you know? So I was like, okay, this is, this is really neat. Um, and it also made me realize that I, I do feel sympathy for him because it's like, yeah, he's in constant pain, you know, like because of his power set. So it's not necessarily that he wanted that to happen to him. He just wanted to exploit something. From a foreign country, which is, you know, sadly a very practiced way. And now he's cursed to be the claw, you know. So I just, I thought it was a great story. And that's what made me like, oh, he's actually a really good character. Um, I would love to see him team up with Count Vertigo of DC. Because they're both masters of sound and they're both these barons of villainy. So it's it's kind of neat. I think they'd have a lot in common there. So, and then they'd go up against uh, uh, Vibe and Songbird from, Ooh. you know, Vibe from DC and well Songbird. From, <laughs> or, like or Dazzler, you know, from Marvel. That's true because by her getting the sound, she can create the light powers. So that actually... She would love that villain then because it'd be like, I'm way powerful. Song Songbird and, and Dazzler, they have pretty similar powers because Songbird also... Yeah, by saying certain sound. notes and things like that, she can create like hard light. Yeah, okay. Hard light weaponry. So she's like a green lantern through sound. Mm -hmm. And then Dazzler's kind of the same way. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow, that's a good pick. I like that too, that hero combination. <laughs> uh, so any major storylines that we should look for with Cla other than the daredevil we just talked about 
Well, okay, so um, he has a couple of issues. Um, let's see here. Let me pull up my information. So actually, um, it's funny that you did mention Dazzler. Uh, he did have an issue where he fights her. Um, so this is you can read this all as well as I am off the Wikipedia. Claw's career soon takes a downward spiral after an encounter with the mutant Dazzler, resulting in his humanoid form being dissolved. So Dazzler is responsible for him losing his human touch. Mm. Um, then his sound energy is blasted out into space, where he actually ends up being collected by Galactus. So he makes it to the to the the, the, the big levels here, and this happens in Dazzler's comic book issues nine, ten, and eleven. Uh, he was also worked into the Secret Wars miniseries, which it's tough because a lot of people always throw back to that one. And I think that's a series where we remember fondly because of youth. Uh, essentially, the original Marvel Secret Wars was created as a comic book to sell toys. It's not bad, but it's not great either. But there he does get to be um, a very villainous villain, you know, because the heroes unite to save and the villains unite to fight. And the villains eventually, you know, why do villains never win? Because they don't have teamwork. And so, of course, we see how they all exploit each other. So those are two major ones as well. Um, the Acts of Vengeance. This was a cool storyline that ran through the annuals at the time. So basically, I think it was Red Skull and Loki decide like, okay, I always lose to Captain America. You always lose to Thor. What if like you fought the X-Men? And what if Mr. Sinister fought Alpha Flight? And, you know, they just basically put all the villains to fight different people. So he was a part of it. Um, then he gets taken into AIM. And finally, he has to go fight out Volcana to try to lure the mirror or the Molecule Man out. And Molecule Man is like a big um, a MacGuffin, I think is the right word, right? Isn't that where like he's he's just such an incredible power source that he can shut anything down, you know? So he's just very very powerful. But this actually winds up leading him into a confrontation with the West Coast Avengers. Um, which that's a great team. That's another one of those books that a lot of people loved it or they haven't read it. Um, and usually once you read it, then you'll find yourself loving it. And so that puts him on that, which definitely had some big ramifications throughout the overall story arc. So he definitely played a very big um, uh, part of the storyline there. Uh, then this was also something that was kind of neat when Cap's shield broke. Mm -hmm. So that was all the vibraniums were going through, as they dubbed it here, the vibranium cancer. Um, that actually affected him as well. And that would be Captain America Volume 3. So I believe that's the Heroes Return books, issue 22, where he takes an active role in this. Because if it did that to the shield, what's it going to do to a man who's purely composed of it? Um, then I would definitely recommend those three issues that we saw there. Uh, Daredevil issues one, two, and three of volume three. And I don't remember these, but I do remember he did fight the superior Spider-Man. So that's kind of neat because you have Claw, who's this German bad guy fighting Dr. Octopus, who essentially is kind of the same thing, but yeah. in a Spider-Man body. Uh, so those two had a big, uh, a big uh, battle there. And I thought that was kind of neat there. But then you have um, Claw actually, this is where he winds up getting stabbed by a vibranium spear and then he detonates so this is even more so like with him losing his his body form his human form now is like his sound shell would be a word mm -hmm. i could dub for that that also gets destroyed there so he definitely uh, lost out and most recently the last time we probably saw him was in avengers standoff uh, he was one of the reformed prisoners so he was um 
oh man, I can't remember what his job was, but he was led to believe that he was a normal guy right. working in the happy area. Um, as we mentioned before in the media, uh, I would definitely say go back and watch the 1994 Fantastic Four animated series. You could probably buy the complete thing for like five bucks on Amazon or something. They're cheesy, they're hokey, but they're beautiful. Um, and, hey, it was my first you know, introduction to the Fantastic Four. So. Oh, I, that, that cartoon doesn't get any better. So it was the episode Prey of the Black Panther. So Claw returns, and this is where he starts causing his issues. Um, there was another cartoon, the Fantastic Four World's Greatest Heroes. That was released around the time the Fox films were happening. I didn't really watch that one because I just, I guess I didn't make time for it. Is that the one um, where they had the four the spray one? painted on him? Yeah, on the thing. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, which only lasted like part of the season because yeah. I think they realized that was kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he has an episode there. Unfortunately, he's not voiced. Which is kind of ironic, considering he's a guy of sound. Sound, yeah. Um, well, maybe it's all like done with a computer voice, like like Stephen Hawking's voice. Yeah, maybe. They, well, I don't know. They, they, and the thing here, it says it wasn't, so I don't know. But that would have been smart if they had used that robotic touch. Um, then you also have the Black Panther. Um, they call it an animated series, but I don't think it was an animated series. It was when Shout Factory was doing those motion comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. So part of that actually does have Claw there as well. Um, so he's definitely a, a Black yeah, he's Panther He's very villain. much tied to Black Panther, you know. So which, you know, kind of brings you into the uh, the movie. Um, and you said you didn't, you didn't get a chance to see the trailer, but he does play a prominent part in the trailer. And you do okay. see this sonic disruptor hand at one point and he's he's kind of hanging outside of a car as it's you know tra- like very joker i think i saw some like ass. his hands like opening up yeah like he, he looks like he has a normal hand and then it's opening for the the protrusion device right so uh you know that that that's uh you know interesting and i wonder i mean i can't imagine that's that's why they got andy circus which don't get me wrong i love andy circus i think it's great but it's just we we know him as the mocap actor right yeah, now you yeah. know his planet of the apes his uh lord of the rings his uh the hobbit you know uh all these things where he's he's done the such great work as as a mocap actor but i mean he has active he was in the prestige as uh tesla's right hand man or whatever yeah. Yeah. so uh it's very like i do have to say though when you see him he's very jacked like in the black panther pro uh trailer right even even i think back in the age of ultron he, he's muscular he's very, yeah cut yeah and i don't i mean i think the first image that comes to mind when i think of andy circus is is like Gollum. i think of him being super skinny even though he's not <laughs> and he's not Gollum. he's just it's just a thing but uh it, it was interesting to see him that way so i am excited about seeing his portrayal in black panther and wherever that how far that takes him which was also funny because in the trailer it has him Andy Serkis as Claw talking to Martin Freeman's character, who is Gyrick. Oh, Gyrick's gonna be in this. Yeah, he was in he was in Civil War. Oh, okay, so that's who the government spook was. I wasn't sure if it was Gyrick. I think he's supposed to be Gyrick. Uh, it might be someone else, but he's also that's also um, Bilbo Baggins and that's uh, right. And Gollum. Okay, I've seen so, the meme. Yeah, so that's that's funny, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, are you excited about his portrayal coming up or? Oh, I, I am. I, I, I think, um, Black Panther's got a lot of villains. <clears throat> I think this is a neat high profile one because we've seen Claw throughout the, the, the Marvel universe. Um, 
And just throwing out one other quick thing. So in the, and I love this cartoon, the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. They actually had an episode dealing with Claw and the voice actor, Mark Hamill. Oh. So as you were mentioning in a very Joker-esque, so <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny there. But um, yeah, Claw is a neat villain. Um, I like his design. Like he just doesn't make sense. You know, you hear the claw, like you said, you would think somebody with like very sharp edgery and stuff like that. Nope, he's got this megaphone hand, you know, okay. And he's this burgundy red bodysuit with like purple pants, you know. He's just such a weird mishmash, but he's such a dick too. Like he's a great villain. Like you don't really get too many that are just villains that are just horrible people. And he fits that to a T. So Andy Serkis, I, I, he's a great actor. Uh, when I saw him in Age of Ultron and they dropped the name, I was excited because I knew. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome, you know. <laughs> and the way it played out. I just wish they wouldn't have cut the hand off that way. Mm-hmm. Because at the very least, like, like yes, it's his own mechanicians that put him there. But ultimately, he can always be like, well, you know, Tony Stark caused this. This is why I don't have a hand. And it sucks because you never want the villain. Like, I always like it when they are a diseased scumbag. And it's like, nope. I I went and robbed that bank and got shot, so it's clearly the cops' fault. Well, no, you did this. <laughs> you know, it's also another thing that I you, you kind of see as a running theme with the MCU as it is, like with Iron Man, the movie Iron Man starting off the whole MCU. He also is kind of the Tony Stark is also the reason for a lot of the movies happening. Like a lot of the characters existing is is because of Tony Stark or Tony Stark's family. So, well, yeah, yeah, it definitely goes back to the family, like with Howard Stark. You know, yeah. he helped he helped Erskine with the Captain America project. They created Shield, which then put Hank Pym out there as active. So that spins off into the Ant Man universe. And yeah, no, you're, you're you're it is one of those. But it's I don't know. I guess I just always like that. You know, when when the villain it is their fault. There's no shadow of a doubt. Right. That it's yeah. Their fault. But you know, villains always think that it's it's. They, someone else they're the that they're the victim oh of course they're yeah. the, the, the reason why that they, they are they are the way that they are okay uh if you have anything else that you'd like to add for for ulysses claw claw uh we'd love to hear it if you have anything you want to talk about what you read this past week or the stuff that we came out this week we'd love to hear that too you can reach me on twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat Chris is also on Twitter as stuff I should spe- sh- the, 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 the. <laughs> stuff I should say maybe could say stuff I should say uh, should being spelled S H U D and the rest of Geekly Radio is at Geekly Radio on Twitter at Geekly Radio on Instagram and Facebook.com backslash Geekly Radio is our fa- Facebook page I can't speak either uh, <laughs> check out our website geeklyradio.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. Uh, make sure you have a great Halloween weekend uh, and a Halloween uh, holiday when we come back. It will be after Halloween, but we might have a Halloween-themed uh, challenge for for everybody to listen to when we come back. So uh, look forward to that. Make sure you return. Make sure you check out uh, our roundtable that we have coming up on Monday with uh, guests talking about Batman's Long Halloween. And Which. I like how this is going to be a very future surprise. It's we're building our own cinematic universe, our own uh, uh, podcastomatic universe. Yeah. So <laughs> please listen to our roundtable and then come visit us because they kind of tie into each other. They very much do. Uh, so until next time, this is Imagine If presents Characters One Hundred and One 
on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out.